Hello, and welcome to From God to Us. In our current series in this podcast, we are dealing with the subject of election and free will. More specifically, we have been looking at the two doctrinal theological belief systems of Calvinism and Arminianism. In our first session, we gave you a bit of history in looking at the men for which these theological systems are named. We gave you an overview of the five points of each theological belief system and then drew some conclusions pointing us to the gospel. In our last session, we dealt with the subject of total depravity. We're going through using the five points of Calvinism, which are represented by the acronym TULIP, and looking at each one of those and what the Calvinist believes, but then also looking at what does the Arminian believe regarding that subject. So we looked at the total depravity of man in our last session, and you can go back and listen to that and see both sides of the issue there, I hope. Also, in our first session, we attached some documents that you may want to download and look at if you haven't already looked at those. One of the ones we're using primarily is the comparison chart that gives you a brief summary of both belief systems and some of the Bible verses that are associated with those. Today, we're dealing with the subject of election, which is a big subject, has been discussed and debated, as we said, for thousands of years. Some people believe they have resolved this and solved this once and for all, The Calvinist believes he has solved this once and for all. The Armenian believes he has solved this once and for all. But actually, as we get into this, you will see that there's still some disagreements and arguments about what the Bible is teaching us about election. And that's what we hope to arrive to. What is the Bible teaching us about God and about this subject of election? So we will begin our discussion today with the unconditional election that the Calvinist supports. So in the tulip, total depravity of man, the U is unconditional election. And this is basically what the Calvinist states. God's choice of certain individuals unto salvation before the foundation of the world rested solely in his sovereign will. His choice of particular sinners was not based on any foreseen response of obedience on their part, such as faith or repentance. God gives faith and repentance to each individual who he selected. These acts are the results, not the cause of God's choice. Election, therefore, was not determined by or conditioned upon any virtuous quality or act foreseen in man. Those whom God sovereignly elected, he brings through the power of the Spirit to a willing acceptance of Christ. Again, that's a summary of the belief. And they're basically saying here that before the foundation of the world, before God ever created anything, he chose the ones whom he would save. And he did this not based on any merit of the person, not based on any condition. He just of his own sovereign choice chose to save some, not all. So here are some of the verses that we can look at that is in support of the Calvinist belief. Again, there are many verses that we could look at and point to, and we'll not by any stretch of the imagination be able to look at them all. 
in the Old Testament, I will point to one basic verse that kind of represents a lot of the Old Testament, but it's God's choice of the nation of Israel. And we look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. We read there, To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord set his affection on your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. Now, this is just one representative verse, but there are several verses in the Old Testament that point to God's choice of Israel. Another thing the Calvinist points to quite often is the term the elect. Many places in Scripture make reference to the elect. In the Old Testament, this is referring primarily to the nation of Israel. They are God's elect nation. He chose them for his purpose to represent him in the world. In the New Testament, there's references to the elect. And this, they will say, these are those whom God has chosen, who he has elected for salvation. Some other verses will turn to the New Testament. I think some of the best support that they have in the New Testament Again, we're not going to look at every single verse. There are many, many other verses. And if you're a Calvinist, you'll say, well, what about this verse or that verse? I'm trying to give some of the most significant representative verses that demonstrate what, what the Calvinist believes. So we turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 30, which the Calvinist says is God's golden stream of salvation or golden stream of election, something of that effect. It says in verse 29, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So we see there that God foreknew and predestined certain ones to become conformed to the image of his Son. And those he predestines, he called. And one of the things the uh, Calvinist emphasizes is God's call, God's effective call. Yet there's an effective call that is given to those who are the elect, not to all people, but to the elect. Those he called, then he justified them. And those he justified, he glorified. And so there's an emphasis here on God's predestination, God's call. Those are the ones that God justified and glorified. Also, there's an emphasis in Calvinism in Romans chapter 9. In Romans chapter 9, there is a lot here about God's election, God's sovereign choice, particularly speaking of Israel. And we will emphasize a few of those verses here, but certainly not all of them. Let's look at Romans chapter 9, beginning verse 11, well, verse 10. Not only that, but Rebekah's children were conceived at the same time by our father Isaac. Yet before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad in order that God's purpose and election might stand, not by works, but by him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What then shall we say? Is God unjust? Not at all. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. And then more in that chapter basically talks about the same thing. And here the Calvinist argues that God chose, and we see that he chose Jacob and not Esau. He chose them before they were born, that the, the older would serve the younger. 
And this was not according to anything they did. It was just God's purpose and election and that God chooses to have mercy on some and he chooses to have compassion on some. And later this passage also focuses on how God hardened Pharaoh's heart. That was his choice. They focuses on God's will, God's predestination, God's sovereignty, and God's control over the situation. So that would be another important passage in the Calvinist teaching. Again, we're not going to great detail in these, but we're giving these verses to you so you can look them up. I think another one of the passages that is essential in the Calvinist doctrines is Ephesians chapter 1. This is one that pretty much is a core verse, verses for their belief. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, we read, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely has given us in the one he loves. And so there, the emphasis here on before the foundation of the world, before the creation of the world, God chose us, that is the believers of the elect, to be holy and blameless in his sight. He predestined us. He predetermined that we would be adopted as sons, adopted us to sonship. And this was according to the good pleasure of his will. And this is for the, the praise of his glorious grace. Also down in verse 11 of the same chapter. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined, according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Again here, God chose and he predestined according to his will that we would be the first to hope in Christ. And so these verses clearly are talking about some kind of election of God. And the Calvinist says this is an election unto salvation, an election of those who would believe. It's God's sovereign choice for those who would believe. We do not choose God. God chooses us. One other verse we'll look at that the Calvinist often points to is in John chapter 15, verse 16, where Jesus is talking to his disciples there the night before his crucifixion. He tells them, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Here again, the emphasis is on, You didn't choose me, but I chose you. These are all representative verses of the Calvinistic belief. And so again, the Calvinist summarizes and says that God has elected. He has chosen completely, somewhat arbitrarily, for those who will be saved before he ever created anyone. He made the choice of those whom he would save. And it wasn't based on anything this person did. It wasn't based on the faith that they would have. It simply, God simply chose. Now, another part of the Calvinist doctrine, which sometimes has to be talked about and that they tend to maybe pass over, is what about those that are lost? Because if God made this choice before the creation of the world, how about all these lost people that he created? What about them? What, what's God's choice about them? And the Calvinists usually say, well, he chose certain ones to be saved and he just passed over the others. 
However, this does not fit with sovereignty. If before God ever created anything, he chose whom he would save, then he also chose those whom he would condemn. And we know that in Calvin's teachings and Calvin's doctrines, this is exactly what he said. God chose certain ones for salvation, and he chose others for condemnation. Now, this sounds pretty harsh, and so the Calvinist tends to not emphasize this verse, although there are many Calvinists of the past that have no problem of saying, you know, God just chose. He chose to save some, and he chose to burn others in hell for all eternity, and this is for God's glory. This is according to his perfect will, and we have no right to ask God why or to doubt him. This is just what he did. Other Calvinists, again, like to focus on that God just simply passed over them. But you can't really come to that conclusion. If all five points of Calvinism are true, then God, before he ever created, he chose some for salvation, he chose some for condemnation, and ultimately he created them for salvation and he created them for condemnation. And the conclusion you have to draw from this is that there are those people who are already predetermined are going to be lost, who already are predetermined can't believe, they won't believe because God's already predetermined this before the creation of the world, and they will be lost, and there's nothing you can do about it. No amount of prayer, no amount of presenting the gospel, these people will never, ever be saved. Only the elect, only whom those God has chosen, whom God has chosen to enliven by his spirit and given the gift of faith, only those people are the ones who will be saved. Now that is, in essence, the Calvinist doctrine and what the Calvinists believe. Another point that the Calvinists will often make are the number of verses that point to God's hatred for sinners, for the sin of people. And there's a number of verses that point to that. And so they will emphasize the fact that God hates these people because of their sin and because God's wrath must be satisfied, then God is going to condemn these people to hell for all eternity. Again, God has made this decision before he's ever created anybody, before he even created the world. This is ultimately the Calvinist belief. With that in mind, let's look at the Arminian side and say what, see what the Arminian tends to believe about this whole issue of election. They do not deny election. They just have a different view. Here's what the Arminian believes. God's choice of certain individuals unto salvation before the foundation of the world was based upon his foreseeing that they would respond in faith to his call. He selected only those whom he knew would of themselves freely believe the gospel. The faith which God foresaw was not given to the sinner by God, but resulted solely from man's will. God chose those whom he knew would of their own free will choose Christ. So again, we saw under total depravity that the Armenian believes that mankind does have the free will. He does have the capacity to believe or reject the gospel. Some of the verses that the Armenian would use in support of this, ironically, they use one of the same verses that the Calvinist uses in Romans 8 verse 29, where they emphasize at the beginning of that that it says, for those God foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. So there again, they're focusing on the foreknowledge of God. I think another verse that they emphasize quite a bit is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. 
It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the province of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God through the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and the sprinkling with his blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. So here again, we were uh, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God, and that is a very strong emphasis of the Armenian belief. Now, there's not a lot of verses that specifically reference to the foreknowledge, but these are some significant ones that they will say that God's election, God's choice was not random. It was not arbitrary. It was according to the ones that he saw would believe, and he chose them for salvation. Another thing that the Arminian will do in their response to some of Calvinism in Romans chapter 9, chapter we looked at, it talks about God's choice and so forth. But they'll come down and see Paul's summary of this in verse 30, where it says, What then shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it, a righteousness that is by faith. But the people of Israel who pursued the law as a way of righteousness have not attained their goal. Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, See, I lay in Zion, a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So they look at Paul's summary of this whole thing and talks about it is by faith. The Gentiles received righteousness by faith. The Jews chose to pursue the way of righteousness by the law, and they didn't receive it. So they will answer this passage in Romans chapter 9 by focusing on Paul's summary there. Another verse that the, the Armenians will sometimes use is found in 1 Timothy chapter, let's see, chapter 4, verse 10. In verse 10, it says, That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially those who believe. God, Jesus, is the Savior of all people, but it's especially or effective for those who believe. And so that's another way of looking at uh, this election that salvation is open to all. Another thing that sometimes the Armenians or other people who have studied election will make reference to when speaking of election, they will look at back in John chapter 15, which the Calvinist has used to say God chooses certain ones for salvation. If you look at the verse, verse 16, sometimes the Calvinist does not emphasize the whole verse. It says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And they'll stop right there. But it goes on and says, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. The choice here is not for salvation. He did not say, I chose you for salvation. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Now, he's speaking in context to the 11 apostles. And these we know in the book of Acts become the ones who, are, who received the Holy Spirit, and who are the founding fathers of the church. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so it's very clear in this verse, this is not a choice of salvation. It's a choice of ministry, a choice of purpose. We also see in Luke 
chapter 6, when Jesus chose the apostles, Jesus goes and he prays all night uh, regarding this. And in Luke chapter 6, we go to verse 12. It says, One of those days Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent all night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated as apostles, and it gives the name of the 12. So he called all of his disciples, all of his followers to him, and he chose 12, not for salvation, but to designate them as apostles. It also says that he gives the name of the 12, and he also chose Judas Iscariot as an apostle. This text says who became a traitor. He wasn't chosen as the traitor. He was chosen as an apostle. And when Jesus sent forth his apostles, Judas was sent forth as an apostle to go and to proclaim the coming of the kingdom of God. So the Armenian will point to that. This choice that we find in the scriptures, election is not always for salvation. They'll also point to the fact that God's choice of Israel was for Israel to represent him and to obey him and to declare his glory to the nations. But it also pointed out that not all of Israel is saved, yet the nation is the elect of God. They are all the elect of God, but they aren't all saved. So the term election and the elect does not always refer to those who are saved. It refers to other things. It can refer to God's to the ministry that God has called someone to. And we have to recognize that in looking at election. But if we go back then to the Calvinist view, the Calvinist then continues to emphasize these verses about election, especially the Ephesians passage, before the foundation of the world, God chose. He elected. This is what God chose for mankind. He chose certain ones to be saved. And so when we try to balance this out, we can see that there is there is support for the Calvinist view of election. There's support for the Arminian view that God chose according to his foreknowledge, or that some even some references to election are clearly not for salvation. They're for ministry or for purpose. So how do we bring this to some kind of conclusion? And I, what I would like to say is, what, what is it that the Bible is teaching us about God? What are these verses of election teaching us about God? Is God the God who randomly or arbitrarily before he ever created the world chose just a few to be saved and then condemned the rest to hell and this is what God says brings him glory? Is this the God that we are seeing in the Bible? Is, is this what God wants us to know about himself and that he is angry, wrathful God who has to have his wrath satisfied by burning people in hell for all eternity, which he chose to do so before he ever created them? Or is the Bible presenting us a God who loves all people and gives all people the opportunity to be saved, but those who reject the gospel and who reject him, he will judge them based upon the fact that they rejected the message that God sent them. So the question is, do all people have the capacity to believe if they hear the gospel, or is only those who God chose before the foundation of the world? You can cite numerous verses on both sides to support whichever you want to, but you have to try to draw this to a conclusion and say, what is God revealing to us about himself? Again, the Calvinist is going to conclude God chose only certain ones to be saved, 
and those are the only ones who will be saved, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. God has already predetermined who will be saved. No amount of, amount of preaching the gospel, no amount of praying for people is going to change anything because this is already predetermined. Where the Armenian will say, no, all people have the opportunity to be saved. We should present the gospel to all people. And anyone who hears it has the capacity to believe or to reject the gospel. And God's choice is for those whom he foreknew would believe, or his choice sometimes is simply for the ministry that he's giving those who believe. So you have to decide, what is the bulk of Scripture teaching us? Ask yourself, what is God teaching us? Does God choose, before the creation of the world, those who will be saved and those who will be lost? Or is it open to any of us who believe? I think one of the things that I had to come to grips with and think about is, if you think about this, what this really means is that there's those people whom we all know and love whom God has not chosen, that God has already predetermined that these people whom we love are going to burn in hell for all eternity, and this brings glory to God. This is God's choice, and he's happy with it. It says it brings him glory And that's a hard thing to accept. If that's what the Bible really teaches us, then we need to believe it. But we need to think about that because your theology has to extend beyond just a few Bible verses. You have to say, what does this really mean? How does this apply to life? Do we understand that there's people that we know that God has already predetermined are going to burn in hell for all eternity? Well, you have to decide on that. What does the Bible really teach? Well, there's so much more we could say about election and the rest of these doctrines people believe, what the Calvinist believes, what the Armenian believes is tied to the other three points that we're going to talk about in the future. So this is not all that needs to be considered in making the determination of what the Bible teaches us about election. Well, there's, again, a lot to say. And as you wrestle through this, I hope that you will study the scriptures and try to decide what is God really teaching us? What is the Bible teaching us about who God is and how God saves individuals? So may God bless you as you continue to study his word.